Hi, and welcome to the show. I'm Andrew. And I'm eating broccoli. <laughs> yes, she is. Hi, everyone. I'm Josh. I did not become a doctor, and instead I made a career out of destroying livers. It's <laughs> right, the opposite. That's good. I'm Andrew, and I want to be a supermodel when I grow up. You are a supermodel. Oh, of the world. Of the world. Not this world. No. A different world. <laughs> uh, welcome to the second episode of Chips in the Night, the Piney Gay Slumber Party you never had but wish you did. Hey, Josh, I have a question. Yes. What are we drinking? We are drinking... Okay, so um, today we are drinking a cava, a rosé cava from Spain. Um, it is a sparkling wine that comes from northeastern Spain, basically Spain's version of champagne. And I chose it for three reasons. From the Champagne region of Spain? From the Champagne region. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Cava region. Um, because, you know, today was the inauguration of the 46th President of the United States, Joe Biden. Was that today? It was today. Oh. Um, so I wanted to choose something bubbly. Um, I chose something that was rosé colored because, you know, I feel like when you're talking about aspirations, you as a kid, you're looking through rose-colored glasses. You're looking at the best kind of possible... Mm moment for yourself she um, got metaphors okay come on metaphors let's get drunk um and then i also chose it because it is a little bit cheaper than champagne and mm. i am poor <laughs> so please like and subscribe so please like and subscribe give um, to our only fans <laughs> we should make an only we should make something to that effect we um, should well, we should have some fans yeah today. did you watch the uh the inauguration I, I watched a little bit of it this morning while I was like having my breakfast and like having my little coffee, um, and I was kind of surprised how like I don't know it was, it was kind of oddly moving. Like this is something that obviously we've been looking forward to and sort of, um, and you know the last year slash decade has been tumultuous. But I think it was there was a moment when <clears throat> I think it was was when Kamala was getting. We're on first name basis, you know, me and K-Dog. Ms. Harris. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lady Harris, when she was being sworn in, um, and, like, I could hear people on the street, like, celebrating, th- mm. that moment was like, oh, this is, like, this is a collectively good thing that's finally happening. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of a nice, um, nice little moment. Um, I did not, I did not see Lady Gaga's performance, though. I missed that because I had to go to work. I watched, I read this thing that was like, I can't believe Mike Pence got to see a live concert of Lady Gaga when I haven't, and I was like, that's a hate crime. I'm like, wait a minute, I have seen her live, so. Really? Oops, yeah. I haven't. Oh, yeah, it was in the city, too. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I slept in, so I didn't get to watch it, and I know that's not a very high bar, because it was like, what, at noon? So that means it was like, 9 a.m. Um, and I, I did catch the highlights later on, but for me, it was, it was sort of a weird mood because it was like, you know, I consider myself to be much, I'm not saying that this isn't a good thing for this country because it 100% is. And but you wanted to MAGA for four more years. No, yeah, not at all. Um, but it, for me, it was, it was a weird moment because it's, it's like, for me, when Joe Biden became the front runner, the writing was on the wall, mm-hmm. and you can tell people are being very. Um, I, just the vibe to me is like people are becoming complacent, and again, I'm not saying that it's not okay to celebrate because you know we're drinking bubbly right now for crying out loud, 
but um, it's just really interesting to see how the mood changes because mm-hmm. a lot of people are acting like now that he's the president, everything is going to go away in terms of everything bad that's happened in the past four years. But um, yeah. so it's, it's, it's like, you know, it, it's like there's a heightened awareness for me, not to say that I wasn't aware before, but like it's 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 it's, not over yeah exactly there's still lots of work to be done so i think that's interesting like i know today was like obviously setting out a lot of executive orders and trying to undo a lot of the damage of the last four years but like there are a lot of things that can't be undone you can't bring the four hundred thousand people back from the dead exactly you can't you know reconnect families that have been torn apart forever Mm -hmm. there's a lot of the damage that is permanent yeah um and so i think that's I remember, like, back in the beginning of this, hearing people like, "We, you know, we'll survive, we survive worse, like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But, like, no, we Some didn't. Some people didn't survive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, people were talking about, like, well, we survived AIDS. But, like, no, we didn't. You did. Right. Not all of us did. And that's, I think that's an important thing to think about is, like, the, yes, we've gotten through and, like, we will stumble onto the next thing. But, yeah, it's not. We're starting on a bit of a downer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's... It's it's bittersweet, right? Yeah. And for some people, it's more bitter, and for some people, it's more sweet. But um, I think it's long story short, it's it's just important not to not to act like the battle is over. Yeah, have that measured response. Like, yes, we can celebrate, but also like we still have to get back out and keep working tomorrow. Exactly. So it was like it was such a weird moment. Like there was a mood today. It might have become it might have been because I was hungover, but like it was like it was like happy and joyous, but also like. It's still a pandemic. Like yeah. we still can't go back out and go out and about our daily lives. So it's like it's a it's a win for sure. It's a major win, but it it is not an all encompassing win. If that makes sense. Yeah. Never thought I would be excited about Joe Biden. But right. Exactly. This is the world we live in. We dragged him the most out of all the candidates. <laughs> we did. I remember. Um, for so Josh and I used to be roommates, and we would have like ridiculous parties. Um, where we'd have like themed dishes and so for one of the democratic debates i think it was like it might have been the last one before like shenanigans and everyone dropped out right um and we made dishes for all of the candidates we're not going to tell you all of them but the joe biden one was just white bread yes exactly (laughs) and which basically paints you know what we how we felt about him at the time and you know how we still do but um it was good bread though it was was a baguette that's true so you know ooh la la Um, well, baguette tran- or bread translated into French is, is spelled like pain. Um, that being said, on the topic of presidents and moving in and being installed, did you ever, I mean, you know, we talk about certain people who run for president and you're like, oh, they definitely have been aiming to be president for the longest time. Like, I get that vibe from like Joaquin Castro. I get that yeah. vibe from like Pete Buttigieg. Like they, they feel like, I feel like they decided at a young age like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna become i'm gonna run for president did you ever did that ever hit you like what did you what did you want to be when you grew up when you were little president obviously yeah because that explains so (laughs) many of this podcast yeah (laughs) not of america Uh, like a a local bank branch (laughs) yeah (laughs) vice president um yeah i had i feel like i had lots of lots of goals as a child um i think the main one that was like i feel like every child has an unrealistic sort of like fantasy career that's probably from a movie or like a musical or whatever so mine for me that was pilot like I really wanted to grow up fly in airplanes interesting yeah like you know open skies whatever I don't know why there must have been like some tv show or maybe it was Darkwing Duck maybe it was that (laughs) uh was that the one 
or no there was like there was a saturday morning cartoon there was like bears if you're listening and you know what this is there was like a rescue plane was it ducks chipmunks some woodland creature that for some reason flew a plane in a jungle that's huh. all i got um and so yeah i wanted to be that i also as a child <clears throat> my other so i wanted to be a pilot and or a care bearer um uh, well, you're one of those things. Oh, pilot. <laughs> so no, I did not. You're technically a care bear, and I don't mean I that like in more a bear of a care sense. Otter. Yeah, no, I, I mean I didn't mean it in like the bear otter sense. I just mean like you, out of like, the friends that I know, you fit the care bear aesthetic the most, right? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. I would. I mean, I care would... bear in the streets and also in the sheets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just consistent. Yeah. I'm a Taurus. What can I say? There you go. I am literally wearing slippers right now that say Mama Bear. On yeah, there them, you so. go. See, it all <laughs> full circle. Full yeah, you circle. might be. You might be. So I guess, yeah, I'm a Care Bear. There this you is, go. Let me update Tinder. See, for me, I I feel like as a child of like Asian immigrants back in Canada, you kind of have, and it was, um, it was very twofold, like Asian immigrant parents, they all want you to be like a prescribed, um, you know, set of careers. So, you know, there's like doctor, a lawyer, um, engineer, which is almost like two out of the, the, uh, the list for my mom to accept when I, that was one of my interests yeah. at one point. But, um, and not only that, not only do they have that prescribed moment of, you know, careers, but like out of all the cousins I had, and I have like 20 to 30, I don't know. I don't remember how many there's still they multiply yeah it's carry the one carry the one um but and the thing is is like out of all the um cousins i've had i was kind of like the not to pat myself on the back but to pat myself on the back i was considered like the gifted one i was the smart one and i that i'm pretty sure that stems from me like realizing i was gay from a little as a little boy and kind of like needing a source of like validation so i chose school to be that and i feel like that happens to a lot of like gays who um who are quote-unquote like gifted and do well as academics um so because of that i you know basically everybody thought i was going to be a doctor Mm -hmm. and it's so funny like even as a kid during one christmas i remember like all my boy cousins getting um, I think it was like race cars, like the remote control race cars, and I got like a calculator that can play games, <laughs> which is so funny. Like that's like number one, I get what you're doing, but also number two, like that's a calculator that plays games is not going to make me smarter. Like yeah. I'm not like I don't get what the logic was there. <laughs> it was like oh he's the nerd one, so therefore yeah like, yeah you so, can't get him toys <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like everybody thought I was going to become a doctor. And then once college hit, everything kind of blew up in terms of, like, I switched my major, like, a million times. And I wanted to be, like, a million things. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, to some extent, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, that's what this is about, actually. Yeah. yeah, It's it's an intervention (laughs) about my life. Thank you all for joining us. Yeah. I was going to bring this up later, but it's interesting that you mentioned that, like, feeling of, um, like, validation. Yeah. Um, I think we both read, I think, have you read The Velvet Rage? I have, yeah, yeah, by Alan Downs, PhD, according to the book right in front of me. Um, so it's an interesting book. It's essentially all about like the shame of growing up a gay man, specifically. Um, and I have my qualms with the book, is same way I have qualms with every book, right? Because I'm a curmudgeon. <laughs> um, but he talks about that, like how it is a very common experience for gay men to 
sort of um, grow up sort of knowing that they're, for whatever reason, they don't fit. They don't belong. They have like some sense of insecurity. And so when we find something we're good at, we sort of latch onto it. Mm. Like we, we sort of overinvest in this um, pursuit of validation through whether it's being good at school or being really good at a sport. Like, and that's why often gay men are, are at the top of their careers or like in very high positions. So does that work in reverse? So if we latch into something that we're good at, does that mean that we tend to let go of very quickly of something that we think that we're not good at? Are gay men flaky? Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, that's, yeah. that could be related. Absolutely. And that was me. Like, I'm, I, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm like lucky enough to have tried so many different things mm-hmm. in, in college. Like I've tried engineering. I've tried physics. I've tried, um, I loved physics. artificial intelligence. I love physics too. But like, I just like the college coursework was too much, but like, I've tried so many different things. I've tried programming, like, you know, cause I thought that everybody that was like the hot thing, mm-hmm. and, which it still is. Um, but I'm glad I tried them, but like a lot of them weren't for me and I tended to drop them as soon as I knew that I couldn't do it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess it works in reverse. I mean, for me at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think so. I think that's probably pretty common. Like, I mean, maybe I don't know about straight experiences and also I don't want to know about straight experiences, <laughs> but from what I understand, they have emotions. Um, so they may experience something similar. Um, if you're listening and you're straight, why? Um, <laughs> but also, call in. Let us know. Um, but yeah, I think that is a very common thing. Like, I know I, I change majors frequently in in college. Um, and I'm still sort of, like, similarly, like, I feel like I have a broad sense of where I want my life to go. But um, there's lots of different paths. I do feel like if I could go back in time. Okay, this might be, not, this is not the most important thing I would do if I had a time machine. But among the things I would do is go back and, like, maybe consider becoming a physicist. Or oh, becoming wow. like I just like I love learning about physics and I That's so interesting to me. Yeah, I'm like don't don't tell anybody, don't let this get out, but I'm actually a nerd. Um I I love the science. It's just it's wow. so like I think there's something so like beautiful and almost erotic about like being able to like come up with an equation, you write it down, you do some math, and all of a sudden you're on Mars. What? Yeah. What? That's you can thing. do that? Exactly. Well that's why I gravitated towards a lot of these sciences because as a insecure gay who is an adolescent, you, for me, I gravitated towards, you know, these subjects that had a clear answer. Mm-hmm. It's, it was, yeah. you know, when you do a math equation or you do a whatever kind of science equation, you're either right or you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a way for me to silence the insecurity in my head by working on a problem that, you know, wasn't as gray. That makes sense. You want that objective, like, I am right, and that's like, knowing these things, knowing I am right, proves that, like, I am good. Exactly. I am, I am worthy, I am valid, whatever. Yeah, and I, oh my god, it's, it's just like, when I made that realization, that connection, just like, looking back at my, like, terrible, like, mem- <sighs> memoir pieces of, like, no, but, like, you know, it, it, would, it, <laughs> would talk about, it would try to, like, link, like, science and, like, love together, and, like, my insecurity and like when I realized like oh like that's exactly what was happening then I was just like there you go mm-hmm. that's what it is that's the moment we should put out like a little chat book of like Josh's adolescent I kind of want to do that That'd I have really a lot of like journals back at home that are like riddled with like gay adolescent Filipino thoughts and I cannot Same. wait to dive <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I cannot wait to dive back into them. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's fun. I've done that a few times. Like go back through like I have boxes and boxes of old journals. And it is fun to read them sometimes. And one be like 
girl, you're so dumb. But also sometimes look back and like, oh, I was like, I was onto something here. You yeah. Know? Hmm. You should I, have been listening. <laughs> I love looking back at also like the the um, other, like, you know, um, the other male crushes I've had mm-hmm. and, being, and looking at them now being like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Who is your worst one? Oh my god. That's asking a lot, probably. You know what? I'm going to just, like, talk about him openly now, and I'm going to bleep out the parts that need to be bleeped, but his name was He was also Filipino. First of all, Oh, so this is a real person, not a celebrity. Oh, no. Yeah, this is a real person. Typical? Typical fucking So, um, he was not, he's not even that cute. He was just, like, quirky enough, um, straight, did sports. You know, he would, like, tease me, make fun of me. Even some of my girlfriends, uh, thought that he was like at least bi or something because mm-hmm. he would like do things like if I'm like we were at a friend's pra- friend's place and I was like lying on my stomach watching TV he would like sit on my back and stuff or like um, you know poke at me or tease me and I'm like I don't like, what what the fuck is going on like yeah. is this you're trying to like make fun of me but in a way that's like very physical and in a way that you would expect a significant other to do. Yeah. So it really confused me. And, like, for that reason, I think that I had a crush on him in high school. Um, and now I'm like, ew. <laughs> Could do better. Yeah. It's <sighs> Is he gay now? Uh, okay, so he is together... For, okay, this pisses me off so much mm-hmm. to, no, to, to no limit. But he is currently with this... Um, girl who also i know from high school but she is very much like um that kind of self-deprecating like oh my god i'm so fat but like she's clearly like the thinnest person like 112 pounds. and like I, I get it like how you express yourself might not necessarily be how you view yourself and that's totally valid i get that the i don't know why it, it, it just the so, as an aside, and I might cut this out later, but... That, that's a whole nother thing. Do we it's love like, that or hate that? I can't decide. I don't know, but but it, it's kind of like, for me, like, he is with this person who is constantly obsessed with self-image, and... Probably because her husband's gay. <clears throat> maybe. Well, the thing is, is that, like, if you look at her, like, Instagram posts and stuff, it's all, like... You know those ads that you get that's, like, of an influencer, like, oh, this could be you. Like, that's literally all she posts about. And together... And and so, going back to the original point, they have not been public about the relationship. But they're straight. I don't get it. It's like, they're straight. They're not public about the relationship. In a sense that, like... How long have they been together? Oh, my God. Like, maybe... No, not, not since then. Maybe since, like, the latter part of college so like five years or five six years but like they've never taken a picture together they've never um well it's not that they've never taken pictures together but like she they've never posted pictures of them together that's so Um, interesting she never mentions his name on social media um so i'm like i don't what like first of all secrecy in relationships that's a gay thing yeah what pisses me off is appropriating our culture well that's the thing is it's like i i feel bad about saying this because they might have the reasons for being secretive but like why like that you have nothing to worry about yeah. like you're I don't know it's just it's 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 very why, bizarre why do you think they're like do they both have secret partners that they don't want to like I'm like in what world does it make sense for a straight couple who like can just 
be who they are to not acknowledge it. Exactly. That's what puzzles me is that like... And like their parents maybe or something? That's the thing. And that's why I don't want to like jump to conclusions because it's like maybe there's we're something serious I don't see. Right. But, it, but it, you know, it could be like um, a familial thing. Um, and, you know, it could be something else. But it's like they both have good careers. They both are educated. They both, you know, seem happy and this and that. So I truly don't know what's going on. Can we get them on the podcast sometime? And just Ugh. like our only question would be like, why? Why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what went more? Why? Just, just why? Just yeah. explain yourselves. Bizarre. It is bizarre. That is so wild. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was a long <laughs> tangent. Um, so, I mean, this is how. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about like what you wanted to be when you grow up. That made me though, think of something about like how I don't know enough about like straight culture, but I get the sense that for a lot of gay men or like queer people in general, but especially for gay men, like you do, like you continue to reinvent yourself. So like, you know, you might, you might settle on a career, you know, if you're Pete Buttigieg, you at 12 decide that you want to be president. But for most of us, we do have sort of, you move through different careers, you know, you, you try different things, whatever. Um, and I wonder if that's because like for a lot of straight folks, you there's a more defined path. Like you get married, you have kids, and then it really narrows the field of possibilities. So you can't, you know, take off to Bhutan and pursue art for a year if you have kids at home. Well, you can, but you shouldn't. Um, well, unless your kids suck. Then, <laughs> then maybe. Um, but we have, like, we have fewer things holding us down often. And so, like, that, that field of opportunities is wider. Yeah. But what do you, so I know, you know, we've talked about, like, some of the careers we wanted to be actually i wanted to be i wanted to be a pilot but i never really like seriously wanted it right i feel like by the time i got to college i wanted to be either a teacher or a writer oh um and i still kind of do um both of which are very poorly paying careers unfortunately i mean yeah but i mean if you if you kind of take pay out of the equation i i can see how you know i can see how both of those suit you for sure yeah um for me, I, oh man, I wanted to be so many things. Like, oh, I wanted to be like a programmer. I wanted to be, I wanted to be everything. Like, I did every this woman. like, what? Every woman. Yeah, I, every woman. I, I did this like art, not art piece. I did this like writing piece at one point that like divided my, um, my persona into four different personalities. And they each dressed differently. And, you know, it was, it was just like a function of me not knowing who I wanted to be and so like I, I divided myself into to four different people and uh, four different names it was so silly but also so cute. like you wrote Pixar's Inside Out Is that what yeah saying? exactly yeah. that's what it was, um, was I still haven't seen it pieces. I still haven't seen it so no spoilers really um, yeah I don't want to cry you will cry I, I, know, I know I cried I'm going to try so hard not to and then I will I always find <laughs> Pixar movies but um yeah I, I mean I wanted to be like a musician I wanted to be a like um engineering physicist and so many different things um and as i mentioned i tried all of them and i, I didn't really like them but it didn't mean that i didn't i wasn't interested in them it's just that i couldn't like do it long term and i feel like that's why i chose a career in wine mm-hmm. partially because it's um it kind of encompasses a lot of things like science and culture yeah. and you know languages something i'm also huge on um you know the potential to travel and communicate with other people um, so that's kind of where I'm at the moment. I'm, I'm just like, I'm enjoying a, this moment in, in food and wine, uh, mm-hmm. just because you're able to connect with so many different people. 
Yeah. And I think the way you approach your career also is very like holistic. Like it's not just like drinking wine and making recommendations. It's like getting to understand how the system works, how like different molecules, I don't know the science, um, but, but from our conversations, when one or both of us are drunk, I do understand there's more to it than just this tastes good. Right. Um, and it's also about, you know, what works, what the, what the history of the wine industry sort of suggests or um, how it points people in certain directions and maybe that's ripe for a change. Right. Exactly. Um, I think that it's a huge thing that's happened in the past couple of years in terms of like changing the... Um, just changing the conversation in terms of how we view food and wine. It's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping the trend continues, but it's becoming less, uh, less prescribed. You know, it's less about like, oh, you're eating chicken, so have this one, and it's more about having a conversation about what that means with like what recipe you're using, mm-hmm. um, what kind of images you're putting into the world, and what you know the things that you're putting on social media in terms of like. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like, culture and class wrapped up yeah, in these. Exactly. Um, and these like norms um, around wine. Yeah. That I think are all like ripe for investigation. I I should be open. I know none of this. I <laughs> I literally only know what I read on your blog. Well, there you go. But, I mean, like I hope that I'm putting something out in the world that is, is you know, changing not changing minds, but like you hearts know, and minds. I hate the word influence, but like influencing minds. No. <laughs> I don't want to influence them. I want to destroy them. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean... What are, you, what are your aspirations for, like, this year? Oh, God. Um, or just, like, the future generally? So, my aspirations for the year. Um, I mean, if we interpret that as a New Year's resolution... I do not. I, yeah. I, I was just, like... I regret <laughs> even saying that. Um, I'm not even going to go into that. But aspirations for this year... I don't know. Survive? I'm still in that moment where I'm like, mm. I don't have any solid moments for myself right now. Um, I mean, if we are talking about New Year's resolutions, it's like to continue learning my languages, to um, which are French, Spanish, and Tagalog. Um, to, yeah, I, I, I mean, I know that sounds really dark, but like to survive and to just keep myself happy and kind of like keep my head above water. I know that sounds like very basic and dark but but also very necessary yeah um i mean for what it's worth uh, to continue everything from the past couple months like to continue writing to continue like making videos find my voice i guess which also sounds like a very insipid boring term but like ariel yeah that's me how about you um i don't know like i think the last year has obviously been difficult for a lot of reasons but especially just for being like stuck inside and so I remember at the beginning of last year setting out goals of like, I'm going to travel more. I'm going to like oh, yeah. go and see people and do it. things. And so like, yeah, I haven't set really hard and fast resolutions or anything for this year. Um, I have like broad themes. Like I want to read more. I do want to start writing more, yeah. um, which I've like, I've started writing a little bit. Like I've been writing short stories just because they're fun to write. And it's like, I don't know, there's something fun about just creating a world, living in it for a few hours and then putting it on a shelf. Yeah, and so I don't know if they'll ever go anywhere, or if it's just like a you know a fun little little hobby to do on the side. But um, yeah, I think that's those the main ones. Um, eat, pray, love. You know, eat, pray, all love, those. Eat, pray, hate. There it is. It's also an option. Um, well, at the tour merch store, <laughs> eat, pray, hate. <laughs> um, what about like if if someone were to ask you now, you know, 
you, Josh, of today? Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you? What are your aspirations for your future as of now? Oh, okay. So if somebody asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up at this current moment mm-hmm. in time? Good question. Um, I honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I would like love to write as well. Um, I just like it's so funny that when I was younger, I hated to communicate with anybody but myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I'm coming into this moment where I love to, I love to teach about wine. I love to talk about so many different kinds of things. And it, it's so funny because sometimes we can't often define how to translate that into a career. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not even what you meant with your question, but yeah, I don't know. I think that makes sense. Sort of, I think, it connects to finding your voice. Yeah. And, you know, defining what it is you want to say and then how you're going to say it. Uh-huh. Um, I think that makes sense. Should we start like a writing workshop? I am terrified of writing workshops. That's another thing is that like, I have a writer friend back in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. He's published and also has like a ranked, he's a blog ranking all of like the the Real Housewives. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shout out can to we, you. Can we get him on the podcast? Exactly. We need him on the podcast. I'm assuming gay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Um, but like, you know, he, he, um, when we could be all in a room, he used to like go to these writing workshops where to me it sounded like, you know, a meeting, like for me, I don't know why I pictured it like this, but it, you know how like every TV show pictures, like, like the way that they, um, illustrate like an AA meeting, it's like everybody's sitting around in a circle, like on like those terrible, like breakable still coffee still coffee like still donuts Mm -hmm. and then um so that's what i pictured like what he described as these writing workshops where it's like everybody reads a piece of like their what they wrote and to me that sounds really intimidating yeah because for me like i don't know whether or not i prefer a piece of writing that is the purest form of, of like an expression because it's like so unedited, unedited and it's done by one person mm-hmm. uh, versus it being edited by so many people. But like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying that like, what is, was like Lord of the Rings, you know, was that read out in a circle and they were yeah, like... Yeah, famously part of a Reddit workshop. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean is like, I guess the point of it is feedback and mm-hmm. and seeing what it's how it's received by a large group of people, yeah. Um, and how to you know form it in that way, but like there is, I get, I have a lot of anxiety around sharing my work, or right? Like I've yeah, yeah. Because I think part of it might actually come back to what we were talking about earlier of that like insecurity or that vulnerability uh-huh. of sharing what you've written is like sharing an internal part of your soul, and it's scary to reveal that because you don't you might not necessarily know what all you're giving away. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sharing things that maybe you didn't want to, like, put out in the world. Yeah. Um, that being said, like, especially when I was in grad school, we would have courses or, like, sort of roundtables where we would share writing. And I would get, I would definitely get a lot out of it. I think that was different because it was, you know, fellow historians who would critique, not the writing necessarily, but, you know, have you thought about this person? Or, like, you know, have you right. read this work? Or have you, you know, have thought about this theory? Or, you know, there's this, I, oh, I just happened to find this random artifact that I think would be super relevant to your, your project. Um, but, but a lot of times the feedback was more like, I don't understand that. Like, help me understand what you're trying to express better. Okay, that's fair. I guess I, I always assume the worst case scenario. And, like, in these moments, I'm like, oh, um, 
this person's gonna be like, well, that fucking sucked. Yeah. Where, whereas it's it's more it's more so like, oh, well, have you thought about developing this part mm-hmm. or like you 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 know seemed really passionate about this part like do you want to elaborate that anyway so it's like you yeah. know it's less um it's less simon cowell than i'd like to <laughs> than i'd probably expect yeah um, I, yeah it's the who are the nice judges on it's been so long Oof, since I watched paula it. abdul and randy jackson okay so one of them the, um, the random knowledge that i know it's so funny that like now that's considered ran- like random one. Yeah, like, whereas that was primetime television exactly for, like, a decade. I I'd still have like memories of me like coloring in grade eight, like this like map assignment, and like me watching American Idol off of like this old TV in my be- my bedroom. Speaking oh. of which, did you ever want to become a singer? I'm just kidding. I did not. I did. <laughs> I briefly toyed with the idea of becoming a musician as well because uh. growing up I played the drums and I I like doing it, um, but it was never something I would want to do right well or professionally. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like as gays we often have these like having like these grandiose maybe that's the wrong word but like these visions of like becoming growing up to be some like something that's like super fabulous, you know? Yeah, and I don't know if that's like necessarily a gay thing. I think so. Actually, this segues into another book I wanted to talk about. Um, this, which I, to be honest, I have not finished because it's very, very long. Uh, but it's literally called How to Be Gay. But oh, I have finished it. I think you suggested it to me. I, I often suggest books I haven't read. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, spoiler alert, I'm full of lies. <laughs> so, I mean, I've read like the intro and I've read some of his other work because his other books are shorter. Um, he wrote this really cool one called... Um, St. Foucault Towards a Gay Hagiography, which was kind of my introduction to Michel Foucault, and it was beautiful, and I loved it. Um, But it was also, like, 200 pages. And this one is, I don't know, 6,000 pages, something like that. I don't have... It's a long book. I don't have time to be gay if I need to read this much manual first. I will never get around to the fun parts. Um, But he does talk about sort of that feeling of being disconnected or almost superior. So I'm going to read a passage because um, I don't like summarizing. Um, so this is in a chapter um, called Mommy Queerist. He, ta- he says, Many gay men reporting have, having entertained just such a family romance when they were boys. The conviction that they were exceptional creatures, completely unrelated to the stupid, thuggish, crass society around them. They felt as if they had been born outside their natural element, as if they were secretly des- descended from royalty. Um, and he sort of goes on from there. But I think that is a very common experience um, I can't speak for all queer people, but it's definitely for gay men of feeling like I'm, you know, this sort of fabulous butterfly creature and I look around me and I see like gray, boring, middle class life. Yeah. Clearly I don't come from here. Clearly I've been misplaced. Yeah. Yeah. And and I feel like I, looking back and, and like really intensely feeling this, but it's like, I guess this kind of links into just like growing up and hoping that you're going to be one day lifted magically out of you know this very heteronormative lifestyle and in some indirect way that's kind of what happened to me Mm -hmm. in 2016 i mean the way that it happened was very heterosexual like you know i moved here because of a tech job yeah as a co-founder but um I ended up falling in love with the city and i never expected that to happen um which is so weird looking back at it how was i ever surprised that that would happen but yeah i feel like the the queer experience is just hoping one day that you're gonna get the the letter in your mail saying Mm -hmm. that hey it's it's your time 
to yeah be gay i guess i mean that literally happened for me like i I didn't get an invitation to the ball right um but i i remember um i was in undergrad in my hometown and um sort of thinking like what do i want to do next and i literally got a, a postcard i have no idea how they got my information but from the university of san francisco just being like hey do you want to apply to this program and so i applied on a whim i applied to lots of schools got into one um and yeah came out to here to san francisco and if, if it weren't for that, like, I, I think now, like, how much different would my life have been? Right. Like, I always wanted to come to San Francisco. I sort of knew growing up, it was like a, a place where you were, a place where it was sort of normal to be gay. Uh-huh. But I don't know how I would have made it here if it weren't for right. that postcard. Exactly. Especially, I mean, especially me being from, like, a different country. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I always tell people, like, I can't imagine like at least at this point of time like living where i was before mm. because it's just like it's a totally different scene and i think i i i'm so lucky to you know get to know my gay self in a yeah in a city like san francisco definitely i think it made me much gayer yeah um it, it definitely i even remember my first semester here you know it was a couple of months in and i went back to my hometown and immediately sort of recognized like oh i've changed a lot yeah and it's been you know, two or three months at that point. Yeah. Um, to the point where I even, I think I had planned to be back for like three weeks or something. And I even moved up my flight because I thought I can't, I need to go back. I need like, I need my energy. I need my, my friends, I need my life. Um, and I think that's something that it wasn't until years later, I would look back and think there's, there's like obviously a joy in that, like coming into yourself and finding who you are. But I think there's also like a sadness to that or a loss to, you know, it's it's very hard or even impossible to reconcile those two parts, you know, like the, the family of origin or the like the community of origin and the person you you come to be. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really tricky to to be both, I think, um, because I don't I'm, I don't know about you, but for me, like the person I am now just cannot exist in my hometown. Oh, there's absolutely. Just, I agree zero completely. I, for me, it's like I've. Um, both directly and indirectly um, just like have halted a lot of these relationships that I've had back home I mean it started in a sense when I would visit back home and I realized that like I've changed a lot but everything is still the same and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's a bad thing but it just shows that like I could not exist in that space yeah Um, but yeah I agree completely it is interesting. I think the you know the field of opportunities is pretty wide in San Francisco. You can be lots of things. Yeah. Um, but then it becomes sort of a what's it called like a golden parachute or something. Like it's so great that you can't leave, um, yeah. because like the the people we are now it doesn't it doesn't fit. And I think there is something obviously it's a very joyful thing because I would much rather be this version of myself than like you know married with kids you know working at the John Deere factory. No tea, no shade. You know. The great factory. Um, All deer, no shade. Hey, <laughs> hey uh. if you're gonna go into farm implements, it's a it's a good career. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's not how I wanted my life to go, mm-hmm. and I would much rather be here living with 25 roommates, broke as fuck, <laughs> um, than living in my hometown, owning a home, and being miserable forever. Yeah, I think this. I think it was the right choice. Yeah, but 100. But yeah, I think there is still that lingering sort of. You know, there's that lingering anxiety of, you know, not necessarily fully feeling at home in either situation. Yeah. Because even in San Francisco, you know, there's always like the hometown pulling you or 
you know, in hometown, it's always like, I could be in San Francisco having fun. I could be at the discotheque. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, there's always going to be that, like, pull, that kind of, like, tug of war between home versus, you know, somewhere like San Francisco. And it is hard. Like, I've, you know, I I haven't talked to my parents in several years. My therapist says it's okay. My my therapist says it's okay. And by your therapist, you mean... The this notebook glass you write of wine. In. Oh, what? <laughs> the notebook you write in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I know. Yeah, I know. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, and it's. Um... But I th- yeah, I think there's a difference between like feeling obligated to like have those connections and feeling like you were cut out from a future that can't exist. Exactly. And I think that's more. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I can dive right into that for like another episode for sure. Um, it, it's just. It's so funny how, like, you think about it, how, how common of a topic it is, but you don't really hear it a lot being spoken. I mean, like, you see it being written about, right? It's just, like, the, the modern over-the-rainbow story. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. It's interesting. There's actually in, in like, the queer literature... I, I'm trying to remember the book I read this in um, somewhere, but it talks about how, like, the trope of gay rights or sort of gay um, activism in the U.S., at least, follows a the same sort of pattern as... Um, a coming out narrative like small town boy moves to the big city comes out like so that's his trajectory the people move to the big cities and then they become like a queer activist then they become um oh i remember what it was it was um men like that it's right there on my bookshelf by i want to say john howard um it's a like a southern queer history um he talks about like the the ways queerness exists in rural spaces which is not necessarily the same as it does in um in urban spaces it, it, it's it's a you know the aspirational thing where you know we wish to be lifted out of our gray mm-hmm. heteronormative life and be placed in somewhere where we can be ourselves and both me and you have been fortunate enough for that to happen um it, it really fucking sucks that not everybody who is queer um and wants that doesn't always get to experience it mm-hmm. um and for me it was by chance um yeah same so there you go i mean yeah one of the things that i wanted to bring up like sort of in the topic of to that disconnect between hometown or like sort of origin and then future um is also like the the class anxiety so like as a like a first generation academic um that's something that i think a lot about or sort of i wrestle with a lot is knowing that the world that I have chosen to like make my career and my future and my life in is a world that like does not have any room for like my family of origin, except as like the subject of, you know, like hillbilly elegy. Like that's the only place, which is the title of an actual book and a Netflix series. And a Netflix reason, series now. Um, which was not seemed received. universally panned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I'm fine with because like, if you're going to tell our stories, um, but, but that's like something that I, um, sort of struggle a lot about is like wanting you know I've entered this world and I have like access to resources and like ideas and knowledge and like power even through these places but then I don't have it is really hard to make the connection to take those back and say like I would love it if it were there a way for like little gay boys in my hometown to grow up and like stay there and be happy and like loved uh, and but I don't know how to do that with like the tools that I've been given in this like in this industry Right. Like it's it's difficult to create that that shift. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. I know what you aspire to be. You aspire to be like a fairy godmother of just like floating through the air and like ding with your magic wand and being like, come with me. And you like educating them all about gay history and they can make a choice whether or not they want to stay at their current job. It's like the um, the gray pill or the rainbow pill. Ooh. Right? That, that. See, there you go. That's what you aspire to be. If like, yeah. if magic, like that kind of magic is just in the I feel like who I want to be is the personality and also a job of Anna Madrigal from um, Tales of the City. There you go. I just want to be like this ancient shriveled landlord who's like super kind and has dinner parties and sort of has a house full of like runaway queers. Yeah. Doesn't that sound so nice? Oh my god. I love that. Not on the, not on like that part of the city though. It's too far and hilly. Right. Um, like Castro, Mission, Noe Valley maybe. I have this, husband. I have this one friend uh, on that topic who kind of like asked me who is a gay back home in Vancouver mm-hmm. and he asked me like he watched the Tales of the City the reboot and he was like oh is that like what your life is like and I and I was kind of like yeah I mean it's close kind enough yeah, yeah like I, I know that's a unique experience and um, f- honestly a privileged experience uh, as a queer person in San Francisco but it's like we're a very we have like a dis- core group of friends and at the same time we like to reach out well like we easily reach out to a lot of people and like i told him like walking through the castro you know when there wasn't a pandemic we we would just like walk down the street and like see somebody who we knew Mm -hmm. at any given night at any given time and like it's insane how we have that community here um yeah it's weird, like, I come from, a, like, a fairly small town. Like, not 20 people, but, you know, like, I think 30 or 40,000, something like that. Um, like, a fairly small community, but I feel like it's a much smaller community here. Especially now that we live in the Castro, and we do have, like, lots of friends in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, I do I do love that. I think there's something very magical about, like, it's, hard, it's harder to feel alone. I think when there's always people out, like, you... I remember there would be nights where I would, you know, leave the bar early and then I would walk home and then I'd bump into like three other people who yes. you know and then you just hang out with them or like meet somebody randomly on the street and then like, the next day you're doing Molly with them at Folsom Street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not that that happened. <laughs> Was it Molly? A. Um, like, for example. Yeah. Hypothetical. Hypothetical. But it, like, it's a very common sort of, I don't know, there's something. I think that's a uniquely gay male San Francisco thing yeah. of you. There's like a very easy sociality, social sociability where you can just become instant friends with somebody yes. who you have nothing in common other than that. You both enjoy alcohol and naked men. Right. And again, we don't like speak for all of the queer people that we know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I would say like half, maybe a little bit more, more, maybe a little bit less, but like, that amount of people that I've like hooked up with like I ended up just like being friends with them yeah. and it's just insane how that happens here mm-hmm. and again I don't mean to say that this like community here is this is the is I'm not saying that the community here is the ideal community or yeah. that it's the same community the gay community in other cities around the world but like what I mean to say is that like I, we're super lucky to have that we are. We're very lucky. So I guess the, the takeaway is if you don't live in San Francisco yet, <laughs> and you think you should, um, good luck. It's very expensive. Oh my god. Okay, so we're talking about aspirations. Um, and Can we pronounce it aspirations? Aspirations. Putting the ass in aspirations. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I'm kind of glad that we didn't just talk about careers and stuff. Um, but on that note, though, shall I move on to crunch time? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we move on to crunch time? Um, no. I'm going to eat this cookie. Yes, I made almond cookies from Claire Saffet's new book, Dessert Person. I'm going to bleep all of that. No, <laughs> don't. I'm joking. <laughs> I love her. I want her to, like, if Claire Saffet were to listen to my podcast or even just, like, look at an Instagram post, I would, I would die happy. I am in love with her. Um, she is my favorite baker from the former Bon Appetit cast. So, on to crunch time. I'm so sorry, I'm chewing. <laughs> That's okay. So, I'll explain the rules. So, I, in thinking through this this podcast, I thought it would be fun to just toss out some careers and we decide if they are gay or not. Um, and we, the idea is like lightning round, but we can, you know, provide our reasoning. Um, do you have one? Well, I have we are 100% going to have a... So overlap? Oh, we're going to have an overlap. Oh. oh my god, it didn't copy and paste on time <gasps> correctly. That is homophobic. Oh no, it's right gasp. Okay. Who wants to go first? Shall I go first? You can go first. Mine right. are pretty easy, to be honest. Okay. Oh, mine are not. Ooh, wild card. Okay, I'm excited. Secretary of Transportation. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that is hateful, and I support it. I thought you were going to put that on too. I agree, though. It's not. Um, well, it could be. Well, it could be in the sense that you want to get places quicker. But yeah, if all trains were based on people drive. walking fast, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and high speed rail means something very different in the gay community. Exactly. <laughs> Ooh, I want that one on a t shirt. Um, okay, so that's a good one. Um, barista. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hello. Yeah, that's sorry. I'm starting off real, real <laughs> softball. Translator. Ooh. See, so I met somebody, um, you know, Neil, back in Spain, mm. um, and he had taken, um, like, Swedish or something, but he told me that, like, like everybody in his, like, program, and I don't know if, if it was just, like, linguistics or, like, general languages, but, like, like there were, all like, a proportionally large amount of, like, gay people, queer people, queer people in, like, language studies. Yeah. I th- all of the linguists or like language people I know are queer. Right. I I agree. I think um, translators, linguists. I don't think it's a gay career. I think it's a queer career. Mm. Like I feel like I know lots of like they them's in like linguists translation. Whereas like there's some jobs like barista is a like gay like <coughs> you, like queer yes but like I feel like if any any small town anywhere in the world you walk in the Starbucks there is a gay man named Devin. Like, waiting there to give you your latte. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, I think it just, like, st- stems from, like, the um, the need and the desire to communicate. It's, like, yeah. an extension of that. So, I mean, maybe that connects back to what we were talking about earlier, about not feeling like you're connected to the family of origin or, like, the people you grow up with. And so, clearly, if you learn Klingon, then you'll be able to connect. Well, that, <laughs> I have tried to learn, like, Dothraki, which is from Game of Thrones. But uh, <laughs> how dare you? Um, and I did try to do like linguistics as like a major in um, in college. So I guess for translator, I'm gonna call that a yes. That's a yes. I think that is a queer career. It's a queer canon career. Um, okay, next on my list is good teacher. What kind of teacher? Anything but PE. Because I feel like there's PE teachers and then there's everything else. That's because P- PE teachers I feel like have to be. Like, straight man, over 40, 
little little miserable or like I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's the you have to be that. Okay, so I'm gonna say yes to this one. Yeah. Not only did I come up to my English teacher in high school through a writing project, but there's this one particular like social studies teacher who like she was great, she was nerdy, she um was very like nasal. But like the point is is that like she was kind of almost seen as like like a Claire Saffitz. Mm. Like she was like I don't know how to explain it, but it's like one time this one queer, who I now know is queer um, person, like just put her picture as his profile picture on Facebook, and I'm like, wow, why? That was his way of coming out. <laughs> That's the thing. It's like it was like I guess she was like a meme in a sense that like she was a great teacher and she was like, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it. I feel like yeah, I feel like all good teachers are queer. Yeah, or strong allies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Got that one okay. down. You're queer. Um, DJ. Ooh. <clears throat> I'm going to say no on this one. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay. Politician. Ooh. Um, maybe. Like, maybe um, it's uh, gay, like a part of gay culture where it's like the part where you want to pretend to be straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, I feel like a politician can't, I don't know. Well, we are really dragging Pete Buttigieg today. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about political age, though? I feel like... All political aides are gay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, like they're like fast walkers. Always on their phone, fast yeah. walkers. You know, they're they're fetching you their coffee. Constantly refreshing like, Twitter. Exactly. Like, crisp suits. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hair plugs, probably. So yeah, maybe not politician in general, but like political aides. Hello. Yeah, political aides are all gay. Boom. There we go. Settled. Oh, um, okay, so construction worker. Ooh. See, I feel like that's something that you can shift depending on the context. Yeah. And it could be. I mean, it could be. I think it's a, is it a gay career? I mean, handling tools, playing outside. I'm going to say, I'm going to say this is one career that you can be anybody you want to be. There you go. Oh, that should be the new slogan. <laughs> I think it's the Navy, isn't it? Oh, is be, that? Be all no, it's not. Is it? Oh, okay. Be all that you can be in the Navy. I didn't know they I had think the same so. song. They're they're really trying. Yikes! Yeah, there is a whole fascinating history about queer people in the military, right. including the Navy. But we'll get to that on a different. Yes. Um, there's just a quick plug for the Straight State by Margaret Candidate. Excellent, fabulous book. Ooh, yeah. okay, work. And also, sorry, one more coming out under fire by Alan Berube. Oh, I love it. Everybody, Classic. just ask Andrew for all of his for. I have any not read book these or... or any other books. <laughs> <laughs> what is a book? Actually, no. These two, these I have read cover to cover because they're very very good. Nice. Uh, okay. Phlebotomist. I don't know what the phlebotomist. They're the people who like draw your blood at Kaiser. Oh, oh, that's good. Okay, so that's really funny because I used to be so. Um, I don't know if self conscious is the word, but I used to be like, um. Uh, self conscious about whoever was taking my blood for some reason. Yeah. Like, oh, I got the fabulous gay man, and I would like flirt with him a little bit, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, oh, I got this strict uh, person who doesn't show any emotion in their voice. Are they judging me right now? Yeah. But, and like, yeah, exactly. And it's like, I don't know whether or not they see why you're getting your blood taken or whatever. Mm. I mean, all that to say, I don't know whether or not that translates into yeah. a necessarily gay thing. But like, I am entrusting you with my gay body. You are putting something in me. Ooh. So it becomes gay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Once they touch you, it's gay. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I would call that gay. 
I don't know. I feel like there's maybe they're just like the people I know, but I I feel like I know an odd number of gay phlebotomists. Interesting. Um, I can think of three. So I don't know. Yeah. I maybe mean... I should stop picking up guys at the clinic. Maybe that's the... <laughs> maybe that's the solution. Okay, so that's a maybe. It's a maybe, but like, like I mean, I, I know I, I can lead towards a yes because it's yeah. like yeah. I feel like the medical profession broadly is very queer. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Okay, and here's my last one. Sommelier. <gasps> Ooh. And that's for you to answer, not for me to comment on. Um, it should be. Thank you. Because, first of all, straight people don't have taste. <laughs> I think sommelier, I think, I mean, it sounds gay. Yeah. Any, I feel like any career that's in French, but not in France, is gay. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, sommelier is like, it's, it's taking some, like some form of art, whether that be drinking or no wait let me restart the sentence i feel like being a um it's like saying you know is a um a curator at a museum gay and we did yeah Yeah, hello but i feel like i feel like a somali is just that but like instead of visual art it's just you know art via linguistic or what (laughs) language tongue i don't know yeah, to that to that effect, you know, of the mouth, of the mm. oral moment. So I feel like, yeah, hello. It's also a very indulgent career. Like it's that's true. You know, it's like a deep analysis of pleasure for the point of pleasure. Like, you know, it's not building skyscrapers. Like a very practical sort of like, boop, 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 boop. you know, like this is when pleasure is the goal of a career. I feel like it is gay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Pleasure is the goal. But if you're trying to, like, build something or do something useful, then, like, not the streets. They can do the accounting. Right. The various mathematics. Building a rocket. <laughs> I'm assuming... I'm, I hope someone's in charge of that. Who knows what they're doing? No, Elon Musk is not gay. Oh, God, no. Okay, And so, if he, even if he was, I would be like... We don't want you. We don't, yeah. Sorry, Grimes, but you gotta keep him. <laughs> is that... Did I get that right? Um, that relationship, honey, it's grimy. Oh? Just kidding. There it is. There or it is. I? You're welcome. Thank you for listening to hour three of our podcast. <laughs> We're the best donate here. Um, okay, I have one last one. Ooh, city planner. Okay, so I know at least one city planner, and by city planner, I mean actually he might be a roads person or like a public transit person. I don't know. The one in LA. Yeah, but he's gay though. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's what I mean. It's like it's it's a gay thing, right? Yeah, I feel like I, I don't know that many city planners, but I do know through a previous job, I know an odd Okay, first of all, city planner as a career is just, it's just like Sin City. Yeah, basically. And that's why it's gay. <laughs> it's sitting alone I'm just home. kidding. I'm not like downplaying your career, but like that's what it okay, is. <laughs> it's also like telling people what to do, telling people where to go, yes. telling people how big they can build things. Exactly. Nice. It's like gay. Meryl Streep wearing a hard hat in the Devil Wears Prada, being like, you do this, you do that. Yeah. That's what it is, right? I don't know what a city planner is. It's like architecture, city planner, any sort of like thing where you're trying to like literally change the built environment, gay. Boom. 100%. And that's exactly why construction worker is partly queer. Wow. Full circle. Wait, full circle. Mm -hmm. Speaking of full circle. No, I got nothing. (laughs) I I think you're going to say, speaking of full circle, and you're just going to bend over. I was thinking, like, how can I work in like an anus joke? But I. (laughs) It's late, you know, it's been a long day. (laughs) Um, I do want to note, like, it wasn't till literally last year, 2020, that many of these things were even legal. In many states, in the U.S. at least, you could be fired for being gay 
until right. a, a Supreme Court case last year, Bostock v. Clayton County. Which is insane. I feel like a lot of... Um, a lot of people don't know that. They take it for granted or they... I mean, the people who do take it for granted are in places like San Francisco. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like... Was that, like, federal or, like, state? Yes, that's... Everywhere in the U.S. now. But, like, before before that, it was, like... It was by state, I guess. Yeah, so some states, like California, it was, like, you can be as gay as you want, and it's fine. Um, but other states, yeah, just... Literally just being gay was enough to be fired. So that was passed in 2002... It wasn't even passed. It was a Supreme Court decision. So, like, the legislature still has not acted. Oh, God. Um, but but yeah, that was a 2020 Court. decision. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the... Um, I think uh, in 2020, when I was um, at my previous position, um, we were at a um, sensitivity training, and basically the um, the person who was leading the session was like, okay, everybody, uh, raise of hands, who thinks that you can be fired for being queer? And, um, you know, some people raised their hands or whatever, and some people did not. And people were gagged when they found out, like, no, you actually can mm-hmm. like it's not a federal rule yeah um until very recently and it's so funny because we live in a place like san francisco where, where you know we're, we're so we're much more um comparatively progressive compared to a lot of places in the u.s and so people were like whoa what the fuck like mm-hmm. that's a thing and it's like yeah it is. welcome to america exactly isn't it fun yeah i do remember like when i have been not in san francisco so i've taken a few like sojourns to other parts of the country um and even having to completely rewrite my resume because my entire work history for the last decade is just gay right gay 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 all over and so it's hard to you know knowing that now now it's a little bit different you know if i were to go to apply for some job in like boise idaho uh, it might be fine but um, i won't sorry sorry our idahoan (laughs) listeners um you can keep it to yourself but yeah it's like we you know, the things you can get away with in San Francisco um, are not, are different from the things you can get away with other places. Yeah. Um, it is interesting, like the Supreme Court case, like it was a reinterpretation or update of a, a 1964 law, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which already, like it said, you can't be fired on the basis of sex. So all they did was say like, sex includes sexuality, basically, or like gender identity. Um, so according to them, like the law was passed in 1964, like it's been illegal to fire people for being gay since the 60s, but the the legal apparatus just hadn't caught up yet. Huh. Um, so, yeah. Oh, God. I'm so glad. Speaking of aspirations, I'm so glad I didn't become a lawyer. Like, it's mm. it not only sounds complicated, but it just sounds so boring. I, I don't know. I still think about it sometimes. It would be a fun... Because I like research. I like reading. You would be a good lawyer. I like being right. <laughs> we, know, we know a couple of gays in law. So that's true I'll live vicariously through them mm-hmm. so I think the moral of the the podcast really is just it gets better it gets wetter ooh oh that's it um okay so I mean we finished crunch time um let's insert another pun here forcibly um it's ooh. time to say trips ahoy and ahoy everything considered I know we're still in the pandemic but like what is something that you feel good about this week if that makes sense. Oh, this week? This week. Oh, this oh, very week. This week. This very week. Um, so something that I feel good about or something that's bringing me some, a little, little sparkle of joy 
is we started a couple of weeks ago doing like a, a game night, like our virtual game night. And it's like, I don't know, it's just, we're connecting. It's very different, obviously, from being in person or from hanging out, like, for, you know, in real, in the real world. But I don't know, it's been very nice to have that sort of just like virtual game night, you know, Tuesday night, come over on the Zoom. And yeah, that's been, I'm, that's something that I find myself looking forward to. Oh, so, that's awesome. So you better not. Skip. And I mean, I, I was also part of that. Yeah. So. Oh, that was you? Yeah, that was me. Not mm. my evil twin. Mm. Do I have an evil twin? Um, Stay tuned to find out. What about you? What's what's bringing you good feelings? Um, lately, what has been bringing me good feelings? This is a tough one because lately there haven't been many um, peaks necessarily in my life that I would say that have been... Um, not that I came out wrong. There have been a couple of peaks, but like things in terms of like that I want to say are unique. Um... I <laughs> I can't think of anything. Is that terrible? Um, there's something I feel good about. Really been feeling good about is that like lately when I go out into the world and like go on my walks or like enjoy nature, um, is just to really appreciate it. And I know that sounds like some kind of like random Instagram like fancy photo that you see with like <laughs> with happy advice on it, but like. Um, I think one thing that I do when I go out into nature is to, like, if I see a building that I really like or if I see, like, a, a really cool tree is, like, I try to, like, count how many petals there are or, like, leaves or, like, windows. <clears throat> this sounds, like, really depressing, but, like, sometimes I go, oh, what if a weird, crazy person were to, like, come stab out my eyes at this very moment? <laughs> And, like, you know, the, the chance of that is not zero. And, it, and it's very low, but it could happen. Um, so I say, like, if that happened right now, if I could go back one hour in time, what would I do? And if, like, you know, if my eyes stubbed out were, like, a guaranteed thing, I would try to memorize as many things around me as I could, if that makes sense, and appreciate the beauty. And so sometimes when I go to, like, Dolores Park and I zone out and, like, look into, like, the landscape, I try to, like, do my best to, like, look out and count the windows or like to memorize the landscape and close my eyes and to try to recall as much as I can just in case someone comes out to stab me in the eyes don't put that out there because now like our listeners <laughs> no, are going to find I don't know yeah so that's that's okay. something I feel good about it's so funny it's, it's like it. I feel like that was like I don't know it was yeah I mean I hope your eyes don't get stabbed out no I mean, that's the same but, but it's, it's a good like, it's a good like tool to to force yourself to appreciate the moment yeah um this is not a plug or I, this is a plug but it's not a sponsored post but um i just you're like go to therapy <laughs> <laughs> yeah sponsored today by therapy yeah <laughs> um now i just finished this book that kyle recommended called they both die at the end by um something silvera i think adam maybe um anyway you should read it because it's kind of it it's sort of that kind of story. Like, oh. they both die at the end. You know that from the beginning. Like, that's literally the title. Um, but it's about how they enjoy, like, their last moments. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I would highly recommend it okay. to, to anyone listening. <laughs> Work. There you go. If you want to imagine your eyes are getting stabbed out. Oh, well, I mean, I haven't read the book yet, so. Well, you're know. ahead of the curve. Um, all right. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two of Chips in the Night, your 
punny gay slumber party you never had but wish you did. And now you do. And now you do. And now you do. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Good night.